Well, thank you for being here this morning. You could be anywhere in the world, but you chose to be here. Thank you for that. I don't know about you, but I feel like I've already been to church and back. I mean, I just I could probably get up here and just say amen and be done with it. So, uh, but I won't do that because, like, I was up late last night doing these notes. And so, uh, you know, I'm just going to do that anyway. But um, thank you so much for your prayers for uh, our family during this time. How many have, I'm just going to do a little shop talk here. How many um, have been coming to the Gate Church in less than like two months? Two months. Okay. Well, we want to welcome you. Thank you for coming. For many of you that have been here for more than two months, you, you know that my husband, the bishop over this house, uh, transitioned into glory two months ago. This is the eighth Sunday that we've been without him. And God is good. God is good. Sometimes we don't understand, but he's still good. Hallelujah. I have been given the opportunity with the succession plan that he put in place to become the lead pastor of this church. I thank God that he's given me the opportunity to steward because he said to me, I'm going to help you steward and you're going to steward well because he's with me. And so I, along with this wonderful team of pastors and leaders. If you if you haven't been here very long, you'll find out that we actually team preach. And there's many people that come to the platform that speak. It just won't be me, but it'll be them. Because we believe that everybody together collectively has something to say to this house. That's nothing new. This has been going on since the Gate Church was here, that we've had team ministry. And so I'm so thankful this morning that I get the opportunity to stand before you and do what God has called me to do. Hallelujah. I've always kind of been a behind-the-scenes girl a little bit. Stood behind my man, made sure he was good, made sure he was protected, became a little Holy Ghost sometimes, telling him he should be doing this and should be doing that. He told y'all. He told stories on me. There were many times that I wish I had the microphone to correct the story. But there is one thing that you will know. I will tell the truth. Because this time, I got the microphone. <laughs> but anyway, you know, through the journey that we've all been on, and I myself have been on, has not been an easy journey for me for the last eight weeks. But in all and in all, God is good. And he's faithful. He knows exactly what he's doing. And so this morning before I speak, because this morning I just have a simple message. If you're looking for breakdown of this and this and this and that and that and that, you're probably not going to get it. But I do have a story to tell. And I believe the message that I have today is going to speak to, to this house. But before I do, 
I believe all of us, like Pastor Amanda said, have been going through some stuff, right? I don't know about you, but I've been going through my personal stuff. Everybody's been going through personal stuff. But as long as we can declare, God is so so good. welcome you into this place. Have your way, have your will, and we thank you, Jesus. Oh, you're so good, you're so good, you're so good. Oh, God, oh, he is so good. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good. Do you believe that this morning? No matter what you're walking through, no matter where we are in our journey, God is good. God is good. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, band.
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You guys are awesome. Can you tell the worship team how awesome they are? Hallelujah. They're like, they're like here while y'all are just like not even out of bed yet. And, uh, and they do a great job. We want to thank them for everything that they do. As I said, my husband transitioned to, to his heavenly home eight weeks ago. And it was one of the most difficult and has been one of the most difficult journeys that I've ever have journeyed on. But I just know that as I walk through this journey and as we walk through this journey as a family, like I said, God's just good. And as I bring this message to you this morning, it's kind of mixed for me because we actually talked about this message um, on our way back from Colorado before two weeks before his passing. Now, I'm not sure what he would have done, but he told me what I was going to do. So the good wife that I am, I went, yes, sir. So we began the journey and we began to talk on our way home from Colorado two two weeks before he made his journey home. And this is the title that we came up with. There's Janet's everywhere. Are you looking for him? And you'll figure that out when I get into my message. But I want you to turn with me to John 4, 35. And the Bible says, you know, this, this is the Jesus talking to the disciples. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are ready, ripe for harvest. Several years ago, I had the opportunity to be in California and on our way up to do a women's conference, we had the opportunity to go into Napa Valley. How many have ever been there where the great orchards are? Well, we weren't, we're not exactly the smartest chicks on the block, but we didn't realize when we got there, there was all kinds of things happening when we were there. And it was harvest time in Napa Valley. And so we began to ask the people that were around us, well, how do you know? Like, I mean, to me, I just go pick, I mean, my grape picking is like at Homeland. And so, you know, and I've never really been around grape picking, but we asked questions while we were there. How do you, how do you know that? And, you know, they, they told us, well, you have to see the grapes. You have to touch the grapes. You have to smell the grapes. You have to, you, it's all about the pH balances, the acidity. And when that comes to play, when it's ready, it doesn't matter if it's at 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, 8 o'clock in the morning, or 2 in the afternoon. When that farmer says it's ready, how many know it's full-on harvest time? And they don't care whether you came there with your cute camera and you're wanting to take pictures in the fields with the grapes. Like I probably would jump out in the grapes and go, wah, take a picture of me, you know, and then take four more because I didn't like the first one. I mean, you know, now nah, y'all don't do that. I know better. I know better. I only have 45 selfies at one time to make sure my mouth was straight. But anyway, don't go there. But we were there, and all of a sudden, it became harvest time. And they did not care whether we were there or not. 
The trucks were going. The grapes were being picked. They didn't care about my cute little picture at, in the harvest. They didn't care about that. But it was ready for harvest time. And how many understand when it's ready for harvest time in the grape orchard, there's a buzz going on. They don't, they, there's something going on all the time in the atmosphere. And as we sat there and we were sightseeing, it was like people were just everywhere, everywhere. And I was so amazed because I'm from Florida and I used to see the, the oranges come in. And it's kind of the same way. When the oranges come in from Florida, it doesn't, I mean, you see tractor trailer loads of just oranges, 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 and grapefruit and tangerines. Because why? It's harvest time. It's harvest time. And so we, we, we came there, and it was just awesome uh, to be able to experience that. And just on a side note, a rabbit trail note, being from Florida and seeing real grapefruit and real oranges and real tangerines. I was completely, uh, I don't even know what to say, when I went to the grocery store in another state for the first time, and they looked painted. And I just, I would tell my kids, these aren't real grapefruit. These aren't real oranges. Because see, real grapefruit and real oranges have blemishes on them. They're not perfect. And sometimes what we wanna do is go harvest things that are perfect. And things just sometimes aren't perfect. But the real grapefruit from Florida, the real one is when you go pick it off the back of your tree and you come in and you slice it open because it's not perfect. And we try to make everything so perfect when we harvest stuff that we cannot move on from the perfection that, God, he, that we think people should have. How many understand when you go to harvest some things, it's not perfect? How many understand that? It's blemishes. But you know what? When you cut into that, it's the sweet, savory sugar of the grapefruit and of the orange that you know, right? You never look at the outside. You look at the inside. Hallelujah. I am going to tell a story that happened to me one year ago, January. And it changed my life forever. Actually, I'm going to talk a couple stories, because that's what I do, and I do well, I think. But year, one year ago in January, and this is the part that my husband and I talked about, I was speaking in Florida, and I had several places I had to go, several places, and I was, actually, I felt like my husband at the time. I was like, wow, I just spoke five times, Whew, and I'm still alive, you know? And so I got on the plane, um, I had flown from Tampa to Atlanta, and I got on the plane from Atlanta to, to uh, Oklahoma City. And understand something about me. I'm a little chatterbox. And when I got on a plane, I just enjoy finding out who you are. And just chatter, chatter, chatter. Drove my husband nuts. Because I, sometimes I had to sit beside him, and he doesn't, didn't want to chatter. So it was fine with me when the airlines messed up, and I didn't get to sit with them because somebody would talk to me because he never did. And so um, this particular time I was flying alone and I was tired. And so I felt like him, you know, I thought, man, I feel like the bishop. I'm tired. I'm not going to talk to nobody today. And then I was sitting in first class and you know, they're all, I mean, sorry, if you sit in first class, I get it. I do too, but they're not friendly. Like there's nobody friendly up there. 
they got their little things on, their little big iPads out, and they're just not friendly. And I'm like, hi. Hi. You know, I've sat beside major singers before, rappers, and um, he came on, this rapper, I can't even remember his name now, his, his rapper came on last, and they were taking pictures of him and getting autographs, and I was sitting in 1A, 1B. I was in 1B, he was in 1A. And I thought to myself, wow, you must be famous. So I leaned over to him and I said, are you famous? And he said, I think so. I said, well, I saw the autographs in the pictures, so I figured that you have to be famous. And then I said, well, who are you if you're famous? And so he began to tell me who he was. He's a very popular rapper. You know, I'm not in the rapper world, so I couldn't remember what he said. So he put his hoodie up, you know, over him and kind of slunk down and went to sleep. And I'm like this taking selfies. I'm like. And then I Googled his name to find out who he was, and he, he was famous. Yeah, and I thought, wow, okay. So I made him, he's, I said, well, I kept talking to him. He said, well, I wrote the song so-and-so, and I wrote the song. I have no clue. Like, you know, I do shout to the Lord and gospel. I didn't know what he was talking about, but I listened and so he told me all of his famous songs. And uh, so that's kind of like how we roll. And uh, my husband would have never asked somebody if he was famous, but I did. But anyway, I looked him up, and he was famous, and it was pretty funny. And then when we landed, he jumped up, which I, I guess when you're famous, you can do this. He jumped up and got, went to the bathroom. And he stayed in the bathroom until everybody got off the plane. Now, I, how do I know this? Because I just lingered. I thought, you know, if I'm sitting beside somebody famous and they're in the bathroom and the, the flight attendants aren't telling them anything, then this is like breaking the rules because I wouldn't be allowed to do that. And so I just lingered, just lingered until he came out of the bathroom. And then, he had, then they took him down. You know how they do when they're special. They're special. You don't go up the ramp and out. You go down, down into a car. So he went down to a car, and I thought, oh, okay. What well, dummy me, I should have asked for an autograph instead of trying to take his selfie picture when he was sleeping. But anyway, how many understand I was on this flight? That was a total rabbit trail. was not on my notes, and that's not a good thing. But anyway, I was on this plane from Atlanta to, to, uh, to uh, Oklahoma City. And I didn't want to talk that day because I've been talking for like 10 days. I was in, I had been speaking, I had been in business, I was just, I was talked out. Now that's a lot of talking. When I'm talked out, that's bad. And so I pulled up my Candy Crush game. Now I only play Candy Crush when I'm on a plane. Wherever I'm going, that's the only place I play Candy Crush. So I'm holding my Candy Crush game up and I'm just, and this lady gets on and said, first of all, I thought, great, nobody's sitting beside me. This is awesome. And then at the very end, she got on the plane. So I was still, I was like, hi, how are you? Because, you know, I, I was cordial, but I didn't want to talk. And so I was playing my Candy Crush game, and she, and she got on, and the flight took off. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I want you to start a conversation. I was like, seriously? I just told you I don't want to talk. 
And he said, I want you to start a conversation. And I said to myself, okay, God, you win. I'll start a conversation. So as I began to talk to this lady, and I just asked her how she was doing and things, she began to open up to me. And then I thought, wow, this, this, this is maybe why, you know, I had to start the conversation. And she began to tell me about how her husband committed suicide and how she had two children. And she just cried and cried and cried. And she was very broken. And I thought, oh, I, I'm, I know in my mind, I'm going, I must be on assignment. All of you would feel the same way. You must be on assignment, right? So I thought, oh, this is the reason I must be on assignment. And so I said to her in the conversation, I said, well, I'm just going to believe God that he'll bring peace into your life. And she sit, looked back at me and threw her hands both like this. She said, what are you talking about? Peace. God. I said, well, you know, you know that, that you'll have peace in your life and that Jesus will bring you to peace and that God will help you. And she, she threw her hands up. She kept going, I don't know what you're talking about. Peace. God. Jesus. What are you talking about? And I realized at that moment that I had to reel back my religious rhetoric. And in the course of the conversation with Janet, it realized that she only knew those words as cuss words. And she had no idea about the Jesus that we've been celebrating in this room today. She only knew him by a cuss word. And she said to me, I know I have one of my friends that's a, that's a Catholic, but she doesn't go to church. And I realized I needed to pull back even more in my conversation as I began to conversate with her. Because I had to pull back to a simple gospel of Jesus Christ. And I had to go back to the cross. I had to go back to why he died. I had to go back to the reason why I was trying to tell her that Jesus could help her, that he could bring peace to her life. She had no idea what I was talking about. Well, on that plane that day, I grabbed her by the hand and I said, from the top of your feet, top of your head to the bottom of your feet. I'm going to believe God is going to touch you right now in this plane. And she's just crying. And she's crying. And I mean, I'm just praying. I mean, I didn't break out the Holy Ghost because I was afraid everybody in first class would be jumping ship. But I began to really pray. And then I said to her, I, will you pray this prayer after me? And she said, yes. And on that plane that day, I led Janet to the Lord. That's not the end of the story. She was crying. I was crying. God, God helped me in my religious way that we all do to understand what he was speaking to me to do. I got off the plane, 
And she got off the plane, and we were walking together. And she says to me, I think you were an angel that was sent to me. And I said, no, I'm not an angel, but I do believe God sent me in your life for a purpose. We got off. We went to the bathroom, how women have to do when they get off a plane. Went to the bathroom, and I came out of the bathroom, and she was gone. And I said, Lord, you know, I, I need to find her. So I began to walk down. You know how Oklahoma City Airport is. I began to walk down to the escalator. And I said, God, I need to find Janet. I need to talk to her. And he said to me, Janet, he said, Kathy, I said, I need to find her, Lord, I need to find her. And I couldn't find her anywhere. I went down to baggage claim. I went everywhere. I couldn't find her. And the Lord stopped me in my chat tracks, and he said, Kathy, there's Janets everywhere. Are you looking for them? My harvest is ripe, and are you looking for them? Because they're everywhere. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me that day and, and arrested me. And my life changed radically by talking to Janet. Because what did it do? I had an ear to hear what the Spirit was saying. I had sight to see and discern what he was trying to tell me to do. And God was speaking because he wanted Janet to come and to know him into a real way. My question to the D8 church this morning, and for those that are online, there are Janets everywhere. Are we looking for them? Because the harvest is ripe. Can we perceive it? Can we understand it? And my question is, are we preparing for it? All last year, and the many churches you will see are talking about the harvest of God, the harvest, the harvest, the harvest. And I believe that, believe that with everything in me. And this happened in January. And when I got out, when I came out, my husband was picking me up, and I told him what happened in my Janet story. And that's never left me. And every year, every, every week, every day of 2020, I just would say, Father, there's a harvest that's ripe. And then we all walked through 2020, and we all walked through those uncertain times. We couldn't even have church together. We couldn't even see each other. How in the world, Lord, are you going to send the harvest when we can't even be together? But all year long, I believe, God has been preparing the church for such a time as this, that the harvest is coming, and are we ready for it, and are we preparing for it? How can we as the gate church, and not just the gate church, those that are walking online and you're watching online in your churches, how do you prepare for it? The first way you can prepare for it, in Joshua 3, you can turn there if you want to, but I'm just going to kind of highlight it. In Joshua 3, we find a story of Joshua leading the people into the promised land after 40 years. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Now listen, Joshua was up against the Jordan River, and it was flood stage, and nothing seemed like it was going to be able to get through to them to the promised land. All they could do was gaze over to the other side. All they could do is look to the other side. They've been hearing promises all years for 40 years that they were going to get to the other side. How were they going to get there? And Joshua told the people, sanctify yourselves. Sanctify yourselves. To completely give ourselves to the purposes of God, that's how we sanctify ourselves. We let go bad of old habits that distract us. We're on God's schedule. 
We sanctify ourselves to do whatever God tells us to do. We say, we say goodbye to old seasons and we open our lives to the next season. Number two, the Lord said in verse five, the Lord will do wonders among us. If we sanctify ourselves and we take that step, the Lord says he'll do wonders among us. I believe that we have opportunities that God has put before us to do wonders. Bishop always said opportunities are not always convenient. The Bible says, I will bless you to be a blessing. God is wanting to do signs, wonders, and miracles back in the church again. God is wanting to raise up people that have an understanding that signs, wonders, and miracles are not a has-been, but they're a now. We keep wanting to, to go back into what was when God is saying, now is the time for the harvest. Now is the time for, for signs, wonders, and miracles. He said he would do wonders among us. Then Joshua spoke to the priest and said, take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over. He said, take over. He said, take the presence of God. In this passage, Joshua told the priest, he said, get the Ark and go before the people. And then he told the people, get yourself together and let's follow the presence. I'm saying to myself this morning, Kathy, you get yourself together. Because you're going to follow the presence of God. You're going to see signs, wonders, and miracles once again into the house of God. And as they followed the ark, and as they followed the presence of God, and this is what happened. This is what happened. And we all know it. And it came to pass. This is what the Bible says in verse 13. As soon. It didn't say later. It didn't say in two minutes, it didn't say three minutes. It said as soon as the priest dipped their souls into the, into the river Jordan, it immediately, it immediately began to back up the waters into a heap. I'm telling you, the gate church is at flood stage. The gate church is at flood stage. And maybe in your own life, you feel like you're at flood stage. In the past eight weeks, I have felt like I've been at flood stage many, many days. But I know that I know a God that is faithful and true. And what he spoke to me, I will do. And this is what happened. And so it was. When the people set out from their camp to cross over Jordan, and with the priests bearing the ark, for he had uh, the covenant before the people, and all those who bore the ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priest who bore the ark, this is the word, they dipped into the edge of the water. For the Jordan overflows. This is a time when Jordan was at harvest time and it was, it was wider and deeper than it's ever been in the world. Can you imagine what those priests thought? How in the world is this gonna happen? What in the world, Joshua? You've called us to dip into what? But God said, dip your feet into the Jordan River. And then the waters, in verse 16, the waters came down upstream and heaped. 
which they were, stood still. Can you imagine? Now, all of us know when, when you go to the beach, when the tide goes out, when you walk on that beach, it's not dry. Your feet sink. If you're in the lake, it sinks. Even I can go in my backyard after a bad rain, and it sinks. <sighs> but God said they crossed over on dry ground. They crossed over. Three million people on dry ground. And the Bible says in verse 17, and so it was. And so it was. When they crossed over in dry land, and so it was. When the priest's feet dipped into the water, the waters receded and stood still, and so it was. When the people followed the direction of the Lord and they walked across dry land, and so it was. And so it was. We are at the at so it was moment right now. God's saying to the gate church and those people that are watching online, and so it was. 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 When we took direction and we're taking direction from what the Holy Spirit's telling us to do, and so it was. Whatever you're going through in your life, it's an and so it was moment. Because you're believing God for what God is doing in your life. You're an and so it was moment. And so it was. You need to tell yourself, and so it was. Hallelujah. Even though the circumstances didn't seem like they was uh, right. We were at flood stage. Sometimes we walk through circumstances that we can't understand. I can speak for that very much right now. But when we step in, God's going to meet us. When we concentrate ourselves, concentrate ourselves, God will move. And so it will be. And so it will be here in this place and so it will be in this house and so it will be because the mandate on this house is this, and so it will be 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 there's been enough prophetic words over this house that I couldn't put them all over this platform. And it's time that we have an so it will be moment. And it's time that we dip our feet into what God has. It doesn't matter where we are at flood stage. He has an answer. Hallelujah. While we were gone on our Christmas trip, last Christmas trip to Colorado, which for, I don't know how many years, Holly would know, Amanda would know, we always have taken our family vacations over Christmas. And this year, because of COVID and the things, we, you know, we just wanted to make sure we could, didn't even know if we could get a cabin. So we really didn't even make decisions with that until late but my husband said, yes, I want to go. I want to see the grandkids slide down the hill. I want to go. So we got a house and we went to Colorado. And, and many things we do, and for those that follow, you, follow me on Facebook, you saw that we, you know, 
had fun and things. But what you don't know is that my husband was sick the whole time. And what you don't know is that he was on oxygen 24 hours a day. And what you don't know is that those pictures that you see that we looked so happy on, we only could do about two hours a day because he was sick. We didn't know what was going on at the time. We just were just walking through the journey. We thought it was the elevation, and that's what we counted it up to. But now that we're on the other side, we realized that he was sicker than we thought. And he himself thought it was the altitude. So they do that when you go to Colorado. They give you oxygen, and, and he was on that. But he's such, he was such a great guy that no matter what we said to him for him to do, he did it. He drove to the grocery store. He watched the kids sled ride. He did our gingerbread houses. We did all the things that we do as a family, not knowing that that would be our last family vacation. But in the middle of that vacation, in our times together, Amanda had a dream. And I want to share that dream with you this morning. She had a dream, and of course, we're on the other side of it today, right? And so she came out, she goes, I had a dream, you know, in her little, I had a dream. Oh, all right, great. You know, that's how we kind of, in our family, great. Another dream, another word, you know? Because, you know, when you have a, when you live with preachers, dear God, it's like, can we just like talk about ice cream or something? You know, like, and then when her and my husband and all my son-in-laws, they all get to talking about a subject matter in the Bible, and I'm just like, can we, like, like, I don't know. It's like, so anyway, I won't even go there. But she came out with this dream. And um, so she said, I had a dream, and I saw you, Mom, on the platform by yourself. Now, you're hearing this dream on the other side. Understand that our family was hearing this dream from a different side. And you were on the platform, and you were holding a little girl. And she was about two years old. And beside you were all of these children all over the platform. And you were telling the people, it's time. that, that You were telling the people, we have these orphans. We have these children, and we need to get them adopted. And you were saying to the people, that we need to adopt these children. And then other people were bringing money. And, 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 and we were listening to her, what she was saying. And she said, then there was a lady that stood up in the back and said, I'll take that one. And somebody else over here said, I'll take that one. And somebody else over here said, I'll take that one. By the end of the service, all the children had been adopted. And, and being the prophetic person that I am, I said, and we, I said, well, I wonder if it was City Reach, you know. I mean, we, we just kind of talked about it. And I went to my room. And I came back out. And I said, I, I think I have the interpretation to that dream. And I said, to, I said to my husband, who was sitting there, and Amanda was sitting there, and they said, well, what? I said, I believe that the interpretation to that dream is that God is sending a harvest to the gate church. And those orphans represent people. And when somebody stood in the back 
and said, I'll take that one. What you're saying is, I take responsibility for that one. And every one of those orphans, every one of those orphans that were on this stage that day were all adopted by people in this church because they said, I'll take responsibility. And one stood up and said, I'll take responsibility for that one. And then somebody else came up and laid something on the altar so we would have money to be able to adopt them out. Then somebody else over here said, I'll take that one. And then all of a sudden, somebody else threw some money on the platform and said, I'll take that one because I'm taking responsibility of what God has given us in this house. And my question to you today is this. Are we taking responsibility for the harvest that God is getting ready to send to the gate church? Are we taking responsibility for the harvest? And are we taking responsibility for the house? Are we taking responsibility for what God is going to give us? And are we taking responsibility for the house? What are we taking responsibility for? If God is going to send us a harvest of people, then we got to know how to take responsibility. And how is that responsibility? We're going to build up disciples. That's why. That's how we're going to do it. You're going to be disciplers for the next generation. You're going to be disciplers for this generation. That's how we're going to do it. Because God promised us in the last eight weeks that there was a sound of worship and a sound of praise from the old and the new that was going to come out of this house. God promised us in the last eight weeks that the presence of God and God was going to bring fresh oil that we've never known before. God has promised us that the harvest is coming and it's ripe. And are we looking for it? My call to you today, which I believe God is saying prophetically, are we taking responsibility? for what God has? Are we willing to take responsibility to the harvest that he's going to send us? Are we willing to take responsibility for the harvest and for the house? Are we willing to take that responsibility? Because you know what? Discipling people's messy. Discipling people takes time. Discipling people takes time from you. But if you believe that the harvest is coming and you believe what God is saying and stirring in the atmosphere, then you're not afraid to get messy. You're not afraid to take time. You're not afraid to learn what God wants us to learn during this season. Speaking to me too. I want Jordan to bring something up for me and I'm going to close. These are my husband's shoes. I got these shoes for him for Christmas, and he wore them one time. And it was in this, on this platform. No one in this room, including me, will be ever to fill these shoes. No one that he's raised up as sons and daughters in the faith will be able to fill these shoes. 
The man, my husband, that wore these shoes, he ran his race. And he ran it well. The man that wore these shoes traveled to over 90 nations and poured into millions of people. The man that wore these shoes planted seeds all over the world. And he planted seeds in this house. He planted seeds in all of us. He planted seeds in this place for over 15 years. The man that wore these shoes. The man that wore these shoes said more than enough and often and often when people would come to him and say, you have a great ministry, you have a great church. He always would say, thank you so much. God's been so good, but it hasn't outlived me yet. Friends, we're at that moment when it's our turn. It's our turn to take the seeds. Can I get a piano player? To take the seeds that he's given us and begin to plant them. Inside these shoes this morning, seeds as a representation of the seeds that have been planted in you. These seeds are the word of God in us. These seeds are the gifts that are within us. These seeds represent the gospel within us. This man planted his seeds and now we take the seeds they're seeds of potential. They're seeds of possibilities. They're seeds of promises. We take these seeds that God has given us and the things that are being planted. <laughs> There's missionaries to be born in this house that are going to be sent to the nations because those plea seeds have been planted. There's pastors and leaders in this house that are arising because there's seeds in the house and in you. There's ministries to be born among us. There's godly businesses to be built among us. The seeds that are within us are now coming alive in, in, within us because we've been called to be seed carriers to the next generation and to this generation. We've been called to take these seeds. The seeds that are within you. The seeds that God has put in you for this generation. God has called us to take responsibility for the seed for the seed are we willing to take that responsibility this morning because we're seed carriers the proud of the gate church
or seed carriers. The promised land is before us. The things that we've been dreaming of is before us. And what I'm asking today is, are you willing to step in? Are you willing to step in with me? Are you willing to step in in a greater measure? Just like this man stepped in. I myself today am taking my shoes off. place my shoes as a symbol that whatever God has called me to do and this church should do I'm stepping in taking responsibility for the harvest and I'm taking responsibility for the house the Holy Spirit spoke to me this morning when I was getting ready and he said I want you to not just take responsibility for the harvest that God is going to send that he's going to send us but he said I want you to take responsibility for the house and the soil is rich. And so, as a, not just as a symbol of my shoes, but a symbol of my seed in this house that I'm believing God and what he's going to do. The soil is rich what the Holy Spirit spoke to me today. And he said, Kathy, write a check. And along with your shoes, I want you to place the seed. You see, I believe in a It's a miracle working God. Joshua told the priest, go to the riverbank and step in. Dip your shoes, the soles of your shoes, into the river, not ever knowing what was before them, but trusting God, that whatever was before him, they would see the other side. And the mud dried up, and three million Israelites crossed over to the other side. And then Joshua told the priest, not only do you, did he tell them to step in, 
when all three million got across, he told them, now step out. Now step out. And what I'm calling the church gate church to do today is not just step in, but to step out. Because God has called us for such a time as this. God has called us to step out for such a time as this. Our ears cannot fathom what God wants to do. Our eyes cannot see what God wants to do. But over there, my friends, is a promised land that he has called us to. pray this morning that you fall fresh on us. That you fall fresh on us. Jesus, 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 thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I see many of you are wanting to plant seed this morning, and I'm going to make room for that because I believe God is stirring. <laughs> we take responsibility for the harvest, and we take responsibility this morning for the house. We take responsibility for the harvest, and we're taking responsibility this morning for the house. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, we say yes, Lord. Yes, to you. Yes, Lord, yes, oh, we say yes, Lord, <laughs> the gate church says yes, Lord, if you're watching us online and you go to another church, your church says yes, you say yes personally, we say yes personally and, less, and, le and yes corporately, yes to the harvest, <laughs> yes to the house, yes to the harvest, Yes to the house. <laughs> yeah.